It's also about getting your audience to buy in on what you're creating mm-hmm. and not just with watching it, but with actually giving something of value that they're willing to pay money for. Yeah. Um, I mean, the joke right now is everyone's got a t-shirt to sell. Right. <laughs> like every YouTuber. Or even like, it's just, it's just, I feel a little sad because it's like, you see like this, like it's really hard to become independent of these like ad networks. So, so it's like, I don't know. Like what? What? What's your go bag for like your your ad apocalypse gonna be? You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> your emergency kit. <laughs> you know, like. In this episode, we talk with Sam, Nico, and Jake from Cordor Digital. Cordor has over one billion video views, with an audience of over eight million followers across YouTube, Facebook, and more. This is creative. Disruption, the intersection where entertainment, data, and creativity meet. Here's your hosts, Ricky Ray Butler and Daryl Leaves. Welcome back to the Creative Disruption Podcast, where we talk about everything that's disrupting the industry right now. And I'm joined by my friend, Ricky Ray Butler. How are you doing, Ricky? <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> Do you know, I, I, I tend... I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm chuckling because I just love that there's always like this little intro. Well, we have to have the intro, <laughs> sure, man. Sure. It's like tradition here. Uh, just, just for everyone to know. <laughs> Daryl, like when it comes to programming and building an audience, he's really, really good at it. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I'm sure there's a science, but it's, it's just really funny because, yeah, it's great. <laughs> you don't think there's science? <laughs> no, there is a science. Let, let, me, let me tell you, it, it is the Jerry Seinfeld system yeah. that we're doing here. Have you, watched it. It, have you, have you yes, watched it? Have you watched it? I've seen Daryl okay. Seinfeld, and, and okay. I know this is something that YouTube has pushed for a long time. And I'm, I'm telling you, all it, the big it creators do it the works. right way. The podcasts do it the right way. It yeah. literally works, and I, I want to tell you why. Okay, so Seinfeld starts out with what? Jerry on the stage telling some jokes, really, and it, it's a good hook. It brings people in. Yeah. He's telling some jokes, right? He's right, really integrating with the with the audience, and the audience is getting really excited. But all the jokes are is how did those j- jokes come to be, mm-hmm. and then that's when the story starts, you know. And the story oh, okay. of the jokes start to build up because the jokes didn't start start uh, stop uh, at the stand up. They're just like being more defined, and you're getting a lot of backstory of where those jokes were actually interesting. And and as it develops and gets more done, you have different systematic ways of doing it, and they, there's different. Uh, there's different lines of perspective. So you have yeah. Kramer's perspective. You have George's perspective. So, so, so am I George or Kramer? Like, how does I think that work you're here? Newman. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> well, Daryl, if I could just say something, I appreciate this lesson. You really are a father figure to me, <laughs> both with age and experience. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, moving on from this. So, okay, so programming aside. Um, no, I, I, I like to see, you know, what's actually happening online and I like to, to read, you know, uh, content creators posts and, and their tweets. Cause you can really see their, the truth kind of come out at times of their frustration. Sure. And there's a lot of creators really frustrated right now because of all the adpocalypse, they're being demonetized and they're looking for alternative sources. And, uh, no, we've dealt with a lot of creators and part of what we do is we build audiences and, you know, sure. we're, we're good at that. Well, and, like, so, and you, you work, I mean, your clients are creators for the most absolutely. part. Absolutely. You have some yeah. brand clients, but I, I, it's I mainly love, helping build audiences of creators. But right? I'm doing both. I'm like building audiences on both sides. Yeah. Influencers. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, we wanted them to gravitate more to Facebook because Facebook actually has some monetization on. And we, you know, we have some, some of our, our clients are 
making twenty to forty thousand dollars a day. That's amazing on that content. But is that ever going to change? I think we should talk about that more later. But like, that's the big, biggest risk with Facebook. It, you know, there, there's always something that changes that benefits them. Well, I I don't disagree with that, yeah. but I do disagree with um, the opportunity. I think a lot of people are like, well, how do you make money on 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 Facebook? You know, sure. how's that happening? Like. And the key is, it's like, there are certain type of content that works really well. And you believe it or not, you know what mm -hmm. content works really well on Facebook? Um, like viral videos. It's like, the, like it's like what, what actually stop, started YouTube? Like the Devin super tramps of yep. the world. You know, I mean, they're, Devin's and, and killing on Facebook. And that's what saved yeah. I mean, his, his programming. Like yeah. YouTube's changing algorithm and, and everything is... Haven't hasn't really benefited him, but Facebook he's been well. I mean, his tens of his, millions of views. His type of videos went out of favor with the algorithm, and now it's back in favor. Yeah, but but Facebook actually paid him to be one of the top tier creators there, and he's part of that. But what was really smart about Devin was he actually created different uh, pages that were promoting the type of content that he would actually create. So, yeah. you know, he goes on these amazing adventures all over the world. And it's like he has these uh, pages. It's like cool things in the world. And you just see these epic shots, mm -hmm. you know, and they're four minutes long. So yeah, you can hit that amazing. ad break and you're just like caught into it. And what do you do? You hit share, right? I I'm so happy for him because he's one of the sweetest people oh, out man. there. I mean. And people don't realize that he's probably one of the world's most famous DPs. I, I would have to agree with that, but he's also like, I attribute, um, a lot of, of YouTuber success in the state of Utah and surrounding areas. Sure. Uh, to, to Devin, uh, even though he probably will never take credit no, for it. No, no, but. But he inspired because, you know, and we've had this conversation yeah. before, but he inspired so many people because he saw where it was going mm -hmm. and he went all in and people started to help each other. Well, and he brought and people with him. Well, he, he created, created like, a community. A community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so anyway, um, getting back to it, these, these creators are really frustrated. They're trying to go over uh, to Facebook and look at different options. Um, and you bring up a good point. Is is uh, Facebook uh, a good option? Like, is that even a good option for people right now? I think it is a good option. I think, I think I mean, any option you can find, you should test it out and try to grow it. And, and, and you know, you need to diversify what you're doing because, you know, but, but at the same time, you have to remember, YouTube is the most established platform <laughs> and, and, and you need to figure out how to evolve yeah. and adapt or die well, when I, it comes I, to that platform. I, I can tell you right now that, um, so we had a, a podcast with John Yushai, right? Mm -hmm. And he was one of the, the lead guys over at YouTube and he left to Instagram. And I asked him why, like he, he was asking, should I go or not? We had those, this conversation and I'm like, man, YouTube's like amazing. And he's like, but like, like, like there's so much opportunity and, and, and there was a lot of opportunity for him personally there. But when he went, the, he made a comment. He goes, you know, all the mistakes that YouTube made, I know. Yeah. And, and they can avoid a lot of the things that are happening right there because you know, of that. And so I, I find it, I find it fascinating, but I think at the end, I think the, the issue, um, that people are going to face is something that our, our guests are actually going to talk about. Yeah. And well, before we go to our guests, okay. Now I've heard a rumor that Instagram is going to start doing monetization Yeah, and they're going to rev share and it's in beta yeah. um, with different creators. No, it is. It is right now. Um, that's huge. I mean, because no, it's massive because there's much bigger audiences on Instagram 
than on YouTube. Well, and, well, and, well, well, in specific niches, like, like yeah. general audiences that well, they can't even compare. Well, 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 this is the thing. I, I mean, when, when, it, when it comes to, let's say, celebrities or, or top, you know, pop artists that have hundreds of millions of followers, yeah. you don't see that on YouTube yet. And, well, and, and so when they start building content and, you know, hiring a team to, to make them more disciplined or to help them be more disciplined in, you know, uploading this content, I mean, there could be some crazy revenue opportunities for these, you know, mainstream celebrities. I, I, I do. I do believe that. But two, it's like there's certain things that work really well on Instagram. And it's like um, I got caught in a trap on Instagram mm -hmm. um, and it was a woodworking channel. And okay. it was just all they were doing is just sanding stuff down and finishing it. And I was just like, okay, that was like satisfying. It's like, you know, <laughs> like I didn't expect it to see an Instagram, but it was really, really cool. But like, I think there's a lot of different verticals from there, but it is, it is correct. Like uh, they have announced, they are working with people. Mm -hmm. um, they're doing a lot more on IGTV, you know, bringing revenue uh, in that, in that realm. But yeah, which it, yeah. Yeah. Which, which, which is, are obviously favoring with, with their algorithms. Absolutely. Which is a perfect segue for our, you know, our guests because, you know, they've been in the business for super long. Do you want to go ahead and introduce the guests real quick? Yeah. So I'm really excited about who we have today. Uh, we have Corridor Digital. I've, I've worked with Corridor for a good amount of time now, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. and I think we've done around like 12 to 15 different projects together. Yeah, yeah. be at least, yeah. Yeah. We've worked together and since like 2011, 2010, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was really early on. And, and um, these guys, I, I think are some of, you know, the pioneers um, of Hollywood today. Um, um, they're, they're, they're fantastic at, you know, um, storytelling. Um, they're amazing with post-production. And they were the, you know, one of the first, you know, um, groups to really do premium production on, on YouTube. And then today you guys are just killing it. Like you mm -hmm. have like five channels that are just exploding in growth. Yeah. Um, so we've got five active channels. Uh, that's Corridor Digital, Corridor Crew, uh, our podcast, Corridor Cast, um, <laughs> Node. Uh, and then we just recently started a, a, the world's premiere <laughs> farm to table guillotine channel <laughs> where uh we basically have this physics experiment channel where we put on white jumpsuits and we take a 50 pound blade on a guillotine and we see <laughs> what it will chop through and what it won't um, it sounds like they're copying will it blend will it chop we drop it until it chops yeah that's the motto <laughs> well one thing that got me really excited about you guys early on when we started working together is you know you were the some of the first to really create video games in real life recreate video games in real life and being that you know we've worked with a lot of gaming companies, there's always just a natural fit. Mm -hmm. um, what have you guys done since then? Um, like, I mean, give us you know an idea of like the evolution of your content. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, we <laughs> we've always kind of bridged this gap between gaming and just cool action, visual-driven content in general. Because how at least Sam and I got our start back in like our teenage years was getting into visual effects because. Around the turn of the millennium. <laughs> <laughs> Will Smith dropped millennium. <laughs> Around the turn of the millennium, visual effects and just digital video in general was literally just invented. Like, sorry, visual effects not in terms of like the concept, but in terms of being able to do it on your home computer. Um, 
this is the same time Sam and myself are like kind of coming into age of being able to do stuff with that. And so it's super exciting. You're on the edge of this frontier where suddenly you can do a shot that has only been possible for you know big budget Hollywood movies, and you can do it in your backyard. And that led to me and Sam uh, filming each other with plastic airsoft guns, doing cool action scenes. <laughs> but we got to put muscle flashes in there. <laughs> So, and, you know, we went through school and we kept working on it, moved out to L.A. eventually. And we were, you know, doing videos out here and they were inspired by video games because there was this, this niche that hadn't been filled. Up to this point, any video game film that had been made was always made by somebody who never played video games. I mean, this is like the year, like video game films were big in like the late 90s, early 2000s. And there's no way that 50-year-old director like <laughs> has any idea like what... GoldenEye 64 is like, you know, so <laughs> so video game movies were way off base. They never captured the player's experience. And that's something that Sam and I realized we could we could do this. Like we were, our, we were almost more cinematically inspired by games than we were by movies. And so we set out to take these these games, these things that we loved and realize them in a cinematic way because we had learned how to make things look cinematic and look big budget without actually having big budgets. But that quickly evolved and that evolved into us just realizing we could make cool visual driven pieces in general and like kind of capture this energy that we just really enjoyed making and putting into our films. But it, you know, once again, things still grew. Jake joined the team uh, very shortly after we started our channel. And the world of YouTube itself influenced us. You know, having audiences constantly giving us feedback influenced us. And YouTube is not a platform for an auteur to make their, <laughs> their film and then put it out there and, you know, just have that film's distribution be what, you know, defines their success. YouTube is a personality-driven platform. And so what we've evolved to today is we have multiple channels and they cover different things. Like there's still Corridor, which still does the artsy, visual-driven, action-based usually you know, pieces. And that really scratches the itch that Sam and I have for filmmaking. But then there's also the Corridor Crew channel, which I think much more plays towards what YouTube wants. And that is, and we very much enjoy doing it, but that's a much more personality-based channel where we share the stories of being a YouTube channel. Like, on this day, we have to make a flamethrower, which is one of the great things we get to do because <laughs> of our corridor videos. How do you make a flamethrower? What does it look like? What can you burn with it, etc.? Like, there's so much more than just the video that you're going to make on the corridor channel with these stories, and that's what the corridor crew channel has become: is these awesome adventures that we go on to, while making all this stuff. And the you know weird including things that happen in the studios, videos. <laughs> including reaction videos. Well, well, those the VFX you know artists react to Hollywood film videos are exploding right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah, 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 they are. If, if you really search for VFX on YouTube, it's just a big row of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome, and it's pretty cool. I, I mean, even though I have... Oh, well, there'll I, be some I, copycats I, coming soon. I know, but I've had, yeah. like, it's funny. I've had like almost zero involvement with that series, but it's still like very satisfying to see, considering like like when we start on YouTube, everyone's like, oh, wow, these guys are doing VFX on YouTube. And now finally, <laughs> yes. it's like, we, we are the only people you see right now doing it, like in that sense, so... It's a really know. interesting. And we're getting thing. the recognition. Yeah, it's super interesting because like, it's all come full circle. Like our traditional film background has like, not that we had a huge traditional film background, but that's where we were trying to go when we started all this. Like it finally came back where now we get to share all this knowledge and like, this is cool. No one knows about this, but this is super cool, and we've never had a way to share it until now. And the funny thing is like, you know, back in the day, if you rented a DVD, you'd have all the behind the scenes and the special features, things made to sell DVDs. Well, no one buys DVDs anymore. You go and you rent your video for two bucks on Amazon.com and you watch it, and that, that's the end of that. So all this like behind the scenes and special features, like 
that's gone. It's all been replaced by the social media behind the scenes, AKA we want to sell you our movie. Please go watch it. Here's the actor telling you about how profound it is. But that's not what I want to see. I want to see how they did the magic tricks. You know, how did you blow up that spaceship? What, what was cool about it? What's the challenge you had to face? Like, who's that really weird but cool guy on set that's like responsible for the flamethrower? <laughs> you know? He's got a cigarette in his mouth. <laughs> yeah. And like, we've, we've brought that back to life with our visual effects artist react series, which it's called VFX artists react because right now, I guess the big thing on the algorithm is react, but we're not really doing a react series. What we're actually doing sure. is a expose series where we talk about how all these things are done. We we're trying to create admiration and appreciation and understanding of these awesome visuals that, define the media that we consume. Wasn't there a yeah. series back in the day mm-hmm. called Movie Magic? Or yes, it was yes, like yes, yes. Discovery, Movie Magic is like what got me into visual effects. Oh, that's oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a fun series. Mm-hmm. Was it Discovery? Or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Discovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I watched that as a kid as well, as well. Really good. The Cliffhanger episode, also really good. <laughs> the Die Hard episode, very Actually, good. Actually, I, I saw that episode. <laughs> yeah. that, that is an amazing episode. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. But the thing is, <laughs> I, yeah, that series is really funny because like it gets me thinking about like what other, what other series you could do like with that format because it's <laughs> Nico's right it's not actually a React series because all the people who are uh, commenting are also really knowledgeable on the subject so it's not really like a reaction it's not just a shocked expression it's it's an actual like discussion with like the philosophies and the t- techniques that are going into these shots. Yeah, there's a, there's it's, a, a, it's a little more like mathematicians react to equations, <laughs> you know? It's, you know, like, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> you know? Wow. It's, it's not, you instantly know there's some legitimacy to what these guys are going to start saying, you know? That's the, and that's the filmmaker side of us coming out. Is, is We call it a react series because that's more applicable to what the YouTube environment is, but really there's a, the artistic side of it is, hey, let us pull back the curtain. Let us explain to you how this was done in a way that's easy to understand, but that's also fascinating because you haven't thought about it in this way. It's something you may have seen hundreds of times, but you've never understood this aspect of it before. And that that goes hand in hand with some of the other content that we've done on that channel that we've done across the board, where it's a little bit more like taking this sense of storytelling and and and, and blending it into what's possible today in today's ecosystem, you know, because you can't just go out and and craft the perfect uh, script with the perfect set and the perfect budget every time you want to make something. So a lot of times it's us looking around at what we're doing and going, hey, um, you know, I like that. Or, hey, we just got this mocap suit. What can we do with it? Um, You know, and it's it's still utilizing this this cutting edge technology to continue to tell stories, but... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, we joke very frequently that all... YouTube is just derivative content at this point. Like, no one makes anything original. It's it's you're either, like, yeah, you're reacting to something or you're taking a trend and just redoing it. And the the problem with that is, I mean, there's a reason why it happens is because making original content is difficult and also doing it on a, like, an ad budget, on an AdSense level budget, it's risky to go out and spend money and dedicate time to, to any, anything, basically, unless you know it's, it's going to be a hit. But in a weird way, it's like, it's, it's also interesting. I know we're really just talking and hyping up our own show here in a way, but, <laughs> but what I find fascinating, though, is like there are, it, it, it's, it's kind of proving that there is actually still a way to embrace a little bit of that element of like making that, you know, that, that content that 
you, you are kind of regurgitating a lot of the stuff that's already existing and people have already made, but you're kind of also doing it in a way where you're actually bringing it all into one place to, mm -hmm. so people actually can get something out of it. You know, we're kind of like aggregating, like, because these videos, you know, you need to take like footage from like one behind the scenes here, you need to find like footage from a tech demo that was like, or a research paper that talks about a certain effect, and we're taking all these things and putting it in one place so people can actually see the whole picture which is, you know, so, so, so there is a lot, of, a lot of research and stuff that can go into it. And do you feel like um, that channel, the, the Quarter Crew, that, that it gave you more of a personality type of connection with your audience? Because before, you know, when I, when I discovered you guys, it's like, oh, that was a cool video, but I, you know, it's only what, whatever came up you know, yeah. whatever is trending at the time. It's like, why would you continue? Why would you go back? Exactly. Well, is there a purpose for that? And is that, do you, do you um, relate that to your uh, current growth that you're seeing right now? It's like your, your core audience that that's following is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and they're getting more engaged with your content. Yeah, yeah I think absolutely. Um, like uh, when we first started, you know, it was all just about the, the art. It was all just about the filmmaking side of it. It was just, let's put the story out there no context. Did you love it? Great. We've done our job. Now that's still very important, but also still behind it, you know, you need, you need to, you need to, you need to have your, you need to put yourself out there as a character. You need to put your, your own story out there because that's part of, at the end of the day, that's also part of storytelling. You know, people want to know what the human condition is and what other people are going through, whether that's like dramatic and intense or whether that's something fun and unique that you haven't seen other people do before. Um, there's, there's always that attraction to it. And if you're not really bringing that out in your content today, then it's going to be hard for it to survive on its own. Um, because there's just such a, a wash of, of content now across every platform. It's like, y you really need to, um, bring yourself out with the content. You need to bring your brand out with it and, you know, um, utilize what you have around you uh, and just go from there. Mm -hmm. So Daryl, um, one thing, you know, I I've mentioned to you before is being on a corridor shoot is an intense experience. <laughs> <laughs> when you say intense, what do you mean? Like intense. yelling. I might have been yelled at, you know, once or twice. You know, they yell at you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to tell you why. Ricky, get out of the shot. Maybe I was in the shot, you know. You were in the shot? You were one of those guys that your phone would go off. Oh, uh, sure. Like, quiet, please. <laughs> we, were, we were in the desert filming one time, and we were all in, like, combat boots and desert clothing and, like, sun hats. And, and we're filming this scene where we've got, like, these... these it's, it's, like, 110 degrees. It's 110 now. degrees. Like, like everyone, like, people, people are, like, sitting on the ground, yeah. like, trying not to faint. <laughs> we're, we're throwing body parts and blood at these cars with, like, smoke effects and explosions going off as they're driving around this, like, very contained area where we have all the actors and extras in this one area and this car comes strolling up in the distance and it's like this little like Hyundai sedan and we're like oh and it's like and it just keeps creeping up and it slows down and it pulls up and Ricky gets out in like loafers and a fedora and, and a button up and he's like, <laughs> I had to protect myself from the sun yeah, like, yeah. he's on vacation in Cuba yeah. <laughs> it's like awesome Cuban wear yeah. Yeah. and that only cost you how much money <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> so, um, you have the same intensity with the with the corridor crew content because you mm. know like, no, doing no, live no. action's got to be you know. Yeah, well, you know, much film more set rough. Of, 
I feel, and this is kind of a, just a, a bit of a symptom of like actual film sets. Like a film sets, either your time is priceless because you have 12 hours on location and that's it forever, or your time is has a price, but it's a very high price. Like when you're shooting Lifeline, which is a YouTube Red series we did, you know, a minute, a minute on set costs like two or 300 bucks. So literally just going, um, where should we put the camera next? Boom. I just wasted $20. Like, <laughs> and it's a huge amount of pressure. So if somebody's not on the ball and they're like, and they waste a minute of your time. They've literally just pulled two Benjamins out of their pocket and like burned it. And you just watched it happen. So there's an intensity because you need to make stuff happen. Every second counts. And honestly, that's like the enemy of good art. Um, and quarter crew, those videos don't have that issue because it's just us in the studio and like, hey, what are you working on? I'm working on this. I'm really passionate about it. Let me share that passion with you. Let me talk about things I love. And like, there's no pressure of like, and every second I don't speak, I'm wasting hundreds of dollars. <laughs> like, you know, that's not there. And we're trying to, we're, we're trying to bring that over to the world of filmmaking. Like we little by little, we bring that over into Corridor and it's a combination of like technology. It's a combination of concept. It's also common, like part of it's just people starting to consume different types of media. We're okay with cameras being handheld now. We're okay with cameras being 1080p and like 10 stops at dynamic range. Like we don't care anymore. Like sure, like the film aficionados care if you shoot on an Alexa or not. Most people don't give a crap if you shoot it on a cell phone. It doesn't matter. It's all that matters is that it's a good story. It doesn't even matter if it's well acted. Like in realize, like realizing this has been liberating in a way because we still like making films. We still like transporting people to another world, but we don't have to go out of our way to spend thousands of dollars and have a crew of a, like a gigantic team who's going to get ornery if they're not like, you know, sitting down for five minutes every, you know, 30 minutes and getting their food at certain breaks. Like none of that matters anymore <laughs> because that stuff is the enemy of just getting to sit down in a set, look at your actors in costume, look at the lights and look at the cameras and be like, guys, what do you think would be a cool moment? Like you don't get to have those discussions on an actual big film set and you miss out on a lot of creative opportunities because of that. Oh, that's awesome. It goes to show you that the traditional filmmaking is at the end of the day, like you were saying earlier, it's, it is arbitrary in the sense that the entire format has been created to satisfy this certain economic output, this certain economic distribution mm -hmm. that is now at this point, an industry that's over a hundred years old. Mm -hmm. Um, and so today to be able to go out and to tell stories in a new way, um, yeah, you're right. It is it is liberating. Now, that said, I, we're not just sitting there, you know, uh, armchair sort of artists <laughs> where we're just like thinking about what we'd like to make all day long. It's, <laughs> it's still very much like a release schedule and a format yeah. to the distribution of it and to the, the tone of it. And, and that's your job. Yeah, and that's well, that's that's all of our job. Yeah, but yeah that's We're that's primarily my yeah, job. It's like, oh, well, if you if you want to keep doing this job, you got to do it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, Jake, I've always seen you as like the captain of like making sure you're hitting the deadlines. Yeah, make sure everything's happening on time. Yeah, that's definitely and then my area. You were also in charge of all the legal leads because I don't know if you knew this. Jake is a lawyer. Oh yeah. <laughs> so like, as they were starting this YouTube channel, he was he was going to law school. Yeah, when we started, I wasn't a lawyer, <laughs> and then I became a lawyer while we were doing it. I almost actually, because we shot this web series called Sync, mm -hmm. I almost failed out of law school, <laughs> and they sent me a letter, because I, I, my grade point average dropped below a 2.2 .2 or something, it had some requirement, and uh, I wasn't aware of it, and they sent me a letter, and then I moved, and so the letter arrived at a place that I no longer lived, and for a whole semester, I was on academic probation, and I didn't know it, oh, and, then they, wow. and then they sent me a letter oh, afterwards, wow. and I... 
show up at my house one day and I check my mail and I'm like, oh, I got a letter from my school and I open it and it's congratulations, you've been taken off academic probation. Wow. You're now. <laughs> I'm just like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. It's like, do I feel good or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so how do you go to, from law school and being a lawyer to making YouTube videos, man? Um, we just kind of, we, we started it all at the same time, really. Um, they were making, you know, the, the original sort of videos that they started making on the Corridor channel. Uh, you guys were doing freelance effects on the side. I was going to law school part-time at night and, and working. Um, my original plan was that I wanted to become a, a talent agent. Got it. Um, so I wanted to work in the arts and I was going through law so that I could work with artists. And then at the same time, you know, we were friends. They were making content. They were making videos. They needed help. We were working on them together. And it just kind of made sense, you know. And, and when, when, it, when I realized, hey, these guys, very talented. They're on it. They're not, um, you know, if this ever blows up, they're not going to get, um, uh, you know, um, they're not going to let the fame or the views or anything like that get to them. You know, they <laughs> seem like, you think. Yeah. <laughs> they, seem, they seem like level-headed people, you know? Um, and so it, for me, it's like, Hey, this is a way that I can work, work with two great artists, two great people that I like. Um, I can contribute in that way too. And then, you know, I can utilize my skill sets to add something, to bring something to the table as well. Um, and, and that's really why, why we all, started working together. I think it's worth mentioning that Jake has a pretty strong like artist streak in him, which like doesn't seem to jive. I, do. With, I mean, like... I have a music tattoo <laughs> on my arm. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's quite the actor as well. <laughs> yeah, he is actually. And a good stunt man, good physical actor. <laughs> but like, you know, back in high school, Jake was like in music and like in bands and like the, it's always been an aspect of who Jake is. But more importantly, like when we were starting Corridor and we were putting out videos in that first year, it was the kind of thing it was like, hey, we're just going to make videos because that's what we want to do. If somebody else wants to like join us, that's fine. Look, you're gonna have to just make stuff. Like, we're not gonna tell you what to do. We're not gonna be there making sure you get your work done. Like, you either get it done and you make stuff because that's what you want to do, or you don't. And that's a that's a big filter right there. It filters out a lot of people. And Jake was like, "No, I want to do it." I was like, "Okay." And then he did it, and he did it for the entire year, and then he kept doing it. And it's like, well, all right, I guess we'll all just depend on each other now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's worked out yeah. so far. Yeah, oh, no, that's awesome. Well, one thing that we're talking about when we're bantering back and forth is that there are a lot of creators um, that are now starting to monetize on Facebook, mm-hmm. and and you know I, I have a couple of different opinions on how, how I see that, but but um, you know I don't I don't think Facebook's in a spot or, or any other platforms in a spot to to really help creators monetize more so than they already are with YouTube when it comes to like at least ad revenue, sh- I mean, ad, I mean, revenue share around advertising. I mean, what, what are you guys' thoughts? Are, are you guys starting to monetize on Facebook? Uh, we are. Yeah. Uh, we just right at the early stages. Um, like I was saying, uh, to you the other day, um, you know, the process of dealing with them has been tumultuous. Uh, it's, it's just been one where they've promised certain things that they never delivered on. They promise, they say that they can't control, uh, copyright infringement and freebooting. Um, you know, they say that there's no way to monetize for other people and put in these restrictions in place that YouTube currently has. Um, which is hard to believe considering that they're the, you know, second largest uh, ad 
distribution network on the internet. Um, they have over 2 billion profiles. Um, you know, they control 30 to 40% of all digital ad spend uh, on, online. Um, Forbid you program a content ID system to recognize and right, someone Right, a content ID system seems to be <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just too, too, it's too much. Um, <laughs> but YouTube did it like years ago and I just, I, I, I so, don't think it's that complicated maybe. <laughs> I, I think they're just waiting and this has been their this has been their philosophy i think since their inception is that they they sort of just do things and this is a symptom of of like tech and silicon valley too i think in general it's just like well you just do it it doesn't really matter if it's illegal or not and then once you know once the hammer comes down on you then you can then you then you pull back and you regulate and we're starting to see a little bit of that now which is why they've sort of opened up their monetization and they're, they're at least saying at this point that they're going to control copyright infringement, whereas two years ago, they weren't even saying that. Um, but I think it's still a little bit of a symptom of uh, of Mark Zuckerberg being in place there and, and him still thinking a little bit like he's the underdog and he's still back in, in the dorm rooms in Harvard, <laughs> you know? And it's like, well, you know, your situation has changed. Um, yeah. you, it's, it's, it's one of your responsibilities now to sort of foster the landscape for other creators so that they can come in and cultivate it and make it a diverse ecosystem on your platform. Um, but I don't know if they look at it that way necessarily. You know, they kind of, I think they kind of look at it from the perspective of they're the same as everyone else when they should be looking at it as in like, how can we, how can we create a landscape to foster other people? Well, you'd think that they'd be smart enough to say, okay, here's the issues that plagued YouTube for a very long time. That too, and the yeah. legalities of other people's content was a main issue, especially with the music labels and stuff like that. And so YouTube already went through those pains. And so if I'm like going to do what YouTube's doing, it's like, okay, the first thing is what are the pain points? What did they have to overcome? Where are the sticking points and actually address it? Cause like, Seriously, for me, like freebooting, it just drives me bananas. It just literally drives me bananas. Yeah, I, I estimate with our Boston Dynamics parody video, um, we lost 100 million views across Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Yeah. Um, wow. And just monetized. How, many, how many people, how many takedown notices did you? Uh, Over 2,000. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> in, so about, in about two weeks. There's where your law degree comes for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, fortunately, the DMCA has made that process really easy. Yeah. Um, you know, they're all required now to have these takedown processes that are all done through online forms. Which, I'm sure some of those views are monetized for other people. Oh, for other people. Yeah. <laughs> they, we, we did well, 100 million views for other people. <laughs> You're like, hey, we got it out there. <laughs> wow. It's, it is nice to see it get out there and, and that and it did go viral in that sense. And yes. it may not have been because of that, but man. But it doesn't was... it like hurt a little bit because some of the people that are actually freebooting it are monetized and yeah, nothing yeah. happens to them? I know. I'm I mean, like, it's not even like you get Get like a uh, like a backdated like oh here's, here's your check for that or anything <laughs> yeah it's like, oh, here's, yeah it's not like they, they still made their money this yeah. guy literally it's, sent us an email saying hey um you uh copyright claimed the video that i uploaded of yours uh and mind you he didn't watermark it uh he didn't label it he didn't give us he didn't even give us credit he cut off our he cut off our intro card our title card and re-edited it re out the end card right and just re-uploaded it to his instagram profile and so we we copyright struck it and then instagram shut down his profile because he had committed you know three plus copyright strikes within uh, an amount of time that they determined to be against their policies. So then he emails us going, hey, um, 
you, I can't get my profile back. It's the only way that I'm supporting my family currently. And it's like, well, how are you supporting your family? By ripping off. A- <laughs> all, you rip other people's videos and upload them. That's just piracy, you know? Um, and, and I understand their, their argument. Their argument is, well, I'm getting it out to more people. More people are seeing it. And therefore, you're ultimately benefiting from it as well. But, you know, there's, there is a... There is a modicum of creativity, as they would call it in the law, which requires you to contribute at least something small that's originally creative. And if all you're doing is just cutting and re-uploading, well, then, you know, what are people to do? Then it gets to a point where then people don't know who the original author is and it's just a mess. And and I mean, that's kind of like uh, one of the things we we discussed quite a bit, actually, when that uh, that Boston Dynamics video came out, um, which was... Like, all right, so virality, how has it changed? Where are we at with it? Yeah. Like, because it used to be like you make a YouTube video and your URL for your YouTube video gets shared on Facebook and Twitter and blah, blah, blah. Obviously, a few years ago, that all changed. Everything is. We're not going to share YouTube's URLs yeah. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook shares Facebook video, Twitter shares Twitter videos, YouTube shares YouTube videos, and it all stays on their own platform. So if you don't jump ship quick when your video comes out and upload it to Facebook and Twitter and all these things, someone else is going to do it and they're going to profit off of your work. So, um, so we know that now. So we know, no, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's become incredibly apparent. But the thing is, is that at the same time, too, uh, you know, like these, these aggregates and these like meme pages and meme accounts, in a way, though, it's like, yes, it's piracy, but you can also make a pretty strong argument that they are kind of contributing to your virality. Because ultimately, they, I mean, if they do give you credit, if they do help somehow bolster, I guess, the actual creator, um, whether they're ripping the video off or not, it doesn't matter. But the thing is, is that they are still, they are becoming these hubs. People follow them. Like people go out of their way to click, you know, follow on Instagram. They like the page on Facebook or whatever. It's a huge vertical on Instagram where there's just feature accounts. Yeah, once again, Nico said it right. There's, there's, they don't want to go to the algorithm for their content. They want someone to uh, curate it for them. And that's kind of like the role these people are taking. It's like they're kind of fighting back a little bit against this idea of like, all right, let's profile you and then serve you what's gonna, you know, basically keep you addicted to our platform. But they're they're profiting off of it. And so the question becomes then, you know, where's your royalty in that in that way? Because yeah. there isn't a format for that now, and, and, and the law no the law yeah. is always going to be behind on this, which is mm-hmm. why I'm going, which is why I was complaining about Facebook in that sense, is because they're not, they need to be the one that's taking proactive steps to foster this. Like if, and if not you wait want, for regulation to I happen. mean, you guys even have a word for it, featured mm-hmm. accounts. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're doing a brand integration on a feature, a feature account mm-hmm. where they feature other people's work. The, the platforms that those are on should be taking proactive steps to create a, a monetization system that works for everyone. And, and rather than just waiting for- So when they for, do tag someone or if they do feature someone's content, immediately there's like some yeah. type of rev share or Because right now the minimum requirement is just DMCA, Congress made us do this. This, we have a copyright takedown form if you don't like it. If you do, work it out with them separately. It's like you can't work that out with a thousand people that uploaded your video. You can't work out separate deals with each one of them. And, you know, it's just not it's not possible with the way that the system works currently. Yeah. If, I, if I was a creator like you guys, um, I think some of the biggest risks, I mean, I, yes, this is one of those things that can be solved. And let's say if it, it is solved, I think there's still some pretty valid, you know, um, concerns to have with Facebook's history. Um, you know, there's a company I was working with where we did an application that had tens of millions of, 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 of users um, on a monthly basis. And 
on, on Facebook and we were monetizing and we were making millions and millions of dollars. And then out of nowhere, you know, there was a change in policy. Um, I mean, there's, there's actually a pretty big, I don't know if you guys remember that, like there's a pretty big ecosystem or, or like, you know, economy of, of third party apps on, on Facebook and the, and, and within a matter of just weeks or, you know, just a few months, um, Facebook basically killed all of it. And, and, and there are lots of jobs that were lost as a result of it. And, and so where it makes me nervous for content creators um, is that maybe, you know, there, there's something that's working really well on Instagram or on Facebook and, and, and you guys are seeing a lot of revenue there and then out of nowhere there's a, a change in, comp in the compensation plan where you get a smaller percentage or, or maybe it's taken away from you altogether. Because or you get demonetized. So much, or, or you get demonetized <laughs> or there's all this organic growth where it doesn't make sense to have a partnership program from a perspective of the platform, which I don't think would be the case. I mean, have you guys ever thought of those types of risks when it oh, comes to the platform? Yeah. I mean, that's why we try to diversify. I mean, every platform is a risk because if it's not your platform, it's it's always a risk. You know, it if you don't like how a company is running their stuff, your options are to make your own, or really, that's kind of it. <laughs> make your own, <laughs> you make your own platform. <laughs> yeah, it's also about getting your audience to buy in on what you're creating, mm -hmm. and not just with watching it, but with actually giving something of value that they're willing to pay money for. Yeah. Um, I mean, the joke right now is everyone's got a t-shirt to sell. <laughs> right. Like every YouTuber. My merch. But, 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 but it's like, it's almost become like a joke. I feel like at this point when I watch like YouTubers, it's just like, buy my shirt. It's like, dude, <laughs> right. like, and that's just one sucks. example. Or even like, it's just, it's just, I feel a little sad because it's like, you see, like this, like it's really hard to become independent of these like ad networks. So, so it's like I don't know. That's it's the biggest struggle. It's like how do you like like what what what's your go bag for like your your ad apocalypse gonna be? You know, <laughs> <laughs> your emergency kit. I, I, I think that's what's made you guys specifically very special like, um, in this you know new content creator world because you guys have always been adapt or die type mentality, mm -hmm. and so. You guys have went from you know having one channel to now having five channels, and they're all doing extremely well. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, and, but like when you go to a quarter digital shoot, you guys do some amazing like Hollywood esque like productions. Um, but you guys always have a very nimble, fast moving team. You got which, it. You which, gotta. I'm, which I'm sure is is, is a pain in the neck to to deal with when it comes to unions, etc. <laughs> Compared to unions, it, actually, unions are a nightmare. But I actually have to go put more money in my parking meter. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to dip out for a second. Okay. Sam, Jake, okay. okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. We, we, we should have validated. Oh, man. We should have given these guys some more information. Now that he's uh, validating his parking or <laughs> putting money in the parking meter, <laughs> what's into your, your to go bag, Ricky? You don't have a channel, so. Yeah, I don't have a channel. Let's ask these guys. What, so, what, what is your. What is your so, in the apocalypse, you have a go bag. Right. Where you fill it with like food and water and some clothes and okay. survival gear, a pocket knife, Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Some. So, that's right. A Glock. I see. Okay, so what is the equivalent of that for a digital media content no, creator? For the adpocalypse right. for a digital media creator, what is in that? What, um, what's well, in first your... you, need, you, need a, you need at least some form of camera recording device. You want a camera, a yeah. recording so device. So a cell phone will do you. You're recording audio a and DSLR, video. A uh, DSLR, camcorder. 
Doesn't really matter. You okay. need something that is AV capable. I mean, your phone. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, so it, obviously. Yeah, you can upload with that too, so great. Yeah. You need that. Um, you need uh, probably like an energy drink, a single energy drink. A single energy <laughs> drink. <laughs> <laughs> Flavor of your choice. Yeah. Patreon, you want a Patreon? Then you need, you you're need, gonna want a Patreon. You need Patreon or equivalent. Um, so you basically, you need a core audience that is so, cares so much about what you do that they just want to support it out of the goodness of their heart. Exactly. Um, which is uh, how they used to do it uh, during the, uh, the Medici, Renaissance. During the Renaissance yeah. with the Medici. Yeah, they're like the painters yeah. just wanted some bucks to paint their paintings. Like, hey, I just really want to paint this. They, they dug the paintings, yeah. the, the Medicis. And then it became like a thing, a, a point of pride between the uh, noble to support different artists. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, that will always exist. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you need that. And then I think you need some other easily producible product. You know, we were joking about merchandise. We need a place to put your product. I mean, you, even in an adpocalypse, you can still upload to YouTube most likely, right? Yeah. I mean, but but here's the question: Is it an adpocalypse because you got demonetized because of Ad, your content? Just assume that YouTube two, as a site blew up. Okay, YouTube blew up. All right. So now where are we posting? <laughs> Vimeo. No, you just you go on you go on Squarespace, which has beautiful award-winning templates. Ah, <laughs> oh wait a second. 24/7 customer service. This is a segue to the yeah. other. Gun. And then you you uh, upload your little store there, you know, and you sell your little trinkets. Maybe you got a pop socket. Maybe you got uh, maybe you got the dirt that you filmed on. Yeah. Who knows? Well, here's well, the thing. I guess let's say okay, if it's an adpocalypse, YouTube's blown up. You have to, I mean, you know, creating ad supported content, it's still viable even if it's not through an aggregate or like a, a media company. Ad supported content is viable as long as you have eyeballs to to distribute it to and they will convert to buy the things that that are being advertised. So, yeah. I mean, sure, maybe you can post videos on your own website. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As, as long as you can track the views, as long as you can give analytics. So yeah, yeah we'll take that too. We'll take that with us. Yeah, and then a t-shirt. Yeah, and then a t-shirt with your channel name on it. A t-shirt with your channel name. font. In a cool font. <laughs> or, uh, or you can maybe uh, draw some a cool picture. Yeah. It can be unrelated sure. to your channel. Only so much it, though. But only by like one degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> only so much as it's a meme on your channel. <laughs> yeah. And so, that's it. I mean, you're you're definitely not going to make as much money, but you'd still be able to survive as an artist. Yeah. The main thing is, is you don't want to get you don't want to get on the bad side of the algorithm if if you're still dealing with one. Right. That's that is something that that is you can't you can't recover from that. Yeah. That that's that's the bad part. You need to board up those doors and board up the doors. Burn it down. <laughs> yeah. Start anew. Yeah. I know. Go move to Facebook oh. <laughs> <laughs> or Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think for us, that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day is like we consider ourselves a, an artist's unit. Um, and at the end of the day, we're just trying to take uh, the modern tools that are available and to create art on those platforms. I mean, with the guillotine channel, just as one example, the whole thing started because we wanted to earn money to buy craft beer. So we said, hey, you know what people might be interested in is a, is a, is a, is a guillotine channel. Well, hold on. The, the even and so the truer the origin was the GoPro series. Well, where like, yeah. We're putting GoPros on random things like GoPro and cool a can and GoPro on this. And then someone was like, 
GoPro on a guillotine. Yeah. And we're, everyone's like, what? <laughs> that was amazing. So, so, so the performance art aspect of that is 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 there's this story arc, in which if people not a lot of people that watch the guillotine channel will probably listen to this, so I can say it. But the story arc is um, as soon as we get 50 bucks, that's actual net. We're going to go out and we're going to buy beer with it and we're going to burn the guillotine. That's going to be the end of the channel. Well, because the whole thing is that it's like a novelty clickbait channel yeah. where it's like almost like tongue in cheek being aware that it is a, it's a clickbait thing yeah. where you're like, guillotine crushing a million bananas. And it's like, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, yeah, it's performance art basically. Yeah, so even that, you know, there's even, even in this like sort of algorithm based channel, there's still this aspect of this fun art. And, and I think as soon as it becomes anything, as soon as we lose that about it, like burn the guillotine, it's done. Um, you can do a video where it's chopping a guillotine with, <laughs> with a guillotine. A guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> Just get really deep with it, like interdimensional. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All so, right, Nico. So you didn't get towed, which is no, good. No ticket. Ma made it in time. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> so we just we went through uh, yeah our, our our go bag for the ad apocalypse and uh, we found a lot of channel. really great things yeah so we're we're good we're prepared yeah we uh, can yeah. yeah we can bug out dot <laughs> com domain we're gonna be it's gonna be bugoutartists.com. <laughs> I think every channel's go bag includes a domain name with your company in it. Oh, yeah. yeah. We were yeah. kind of lightly touching upon it, but that's a yeah. much better way of putting it. Squarespace has a unique domain experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. yeah. Every time he says that, they pay us like a buck. <laughs> well, so just saying in our content, we need a rev share you know, opportunity here. Uh, we want to we get paid, so we'll, we'll, we'll figure out how to disclose this later. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, just in closing, I know you guys are super busy. You got a, a shoot that you got to go to, but what's one thing happening right now in the industry that is disrupting the industry that you're really excited about? Um, should I talk about deep fakes or should I talk about the Black Magic Pocket camera? Mm. I don't know. They're both pretty good. I don't think the deep fakes is really as disruptive, disruptive no. as. It's not going to be widely disruptive. So the Black Magic Pocket's pretty Your special. Tom Cruise deep thing was amazing. Thank you. Here, I'll hit two things. <laughs> Just wait until so, you see the Keanu one. <laughs> <laughs> not a joke. So I'll touch upon deep fakes first, but not so much deep fakes themselves, but artificial intelligence, machine learning, and image generation. So up to this point, everything's always been you know either 2D compositing or 3D animation for creating visual effects. But we're getting to the point now where computers can just synthesize images straight up, just like you said, there's a house here in the field. The computer's like, all right, here's a field, here's a house. And it looks like a field and a house. And we're, we're approaching a point, we're not just there yet, but soon in the next 10 years, where a lot of visual effects tasks and visuals in general are just going to be generated through a computer that knows what a house looks like, as opposed to somebody having to sit down and like 3D model a house and then shade it and light just it. drop in the house in field setting. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so that's crazy. But the other thing that is upsetting the industry is camera tech is um, it's no longer, how do I put this? You can't be better than someone because you have a better camera anymore. <laughs> uh, Blackmagic came out with their Pocket 4K camera. And sure, you know, every camera has its quirks and that camera has its quirks as well. But it's the first camera, it's $1,000 by the way. It's the first camera that is a affordable cinema quality camera for Anybody like I mean, cinema, like actual, wow. like watch it on a on a movie theater screen, 
and it's nearly indistinguishable from the most expensive camera you can film yeah, for, on right now. For a thousand bucks. For a thousand dollars. And it's light, and it's <laughs> tiny, and it's small, and you can run around and throw it on a little pole, on a gimbal, do your little amateur video shoot with it, and you can, you, but then you can also take it and put it in the hands of like a world-renowned cinematographer, and they can give you, they can, they can film the Avengers on it, you know? Like, mm -hmm. in, no, wow. so no one would be the wiser. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, sure, like technically, like an Alexa 65 is a better camera. Technically, a, a Red is a better camera. Like, sure. And that's fine. And if you're on a multi-million dollar budget and you're on a big shoot and you have the crew, sure, go, go shoot with those cameras. That's fine. But honestly, we're at the point now with this camera that anybody can shoot something that looks like a movie. So it doesn't matter if you have an Alexa 65. It doesn't matter if you have a big crew. All that matters is are you making something cool? And now everybody can do it. And that's probably pretty scary for everybody making films, like big budget movies. Um, I mean, yeah. I'm sure it's already been scary for well, a while. For them. But, but it's especially scary now because the, the platform of where to put that content has been built up over the last 10 years. You know, social media, basically. And now finally the actual hardware that allows people to succeed um, is, is, it exists. So it's kind of all these two things, they've literally, they just converged because this camera came out months ago. But um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's super cool. It, make, it makes me, it, it actually, it actually reignited my excitement for filmmaking after using it because we're using these reds and lugging around like, these heavy cameras to film our little YouTube videos. And it's like, this is, this is silly. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a one man crew, two man crew using this heavy camera that's hurting my back once I hold it for like two hours. And now suddenly, you know, I don't have to do that anymore. So, so it's like a company that's empowering the decentralization of content. Yeah. <laughs> so we, yeah. we, had, we had Chris Moore on who's, you've met Chris Moore. Yeah. I introduced you to him, right? Like yeah. at Sundance. Um, he, he was the producer for Goodwill Hunting and uh, Manchester by the Sea and the American Pie mm -hmm. franchise. Um, you know, we talked about like, you know, how it is starting to really disrupt Hollywood with all these like celebrities that are now, and from musicians to actors and actresses that have realized that they have a huge audience and they can now monetize that audience. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think, you know, as they start creating legit content or, and get more disciplined and sophisticated, that's going to really be disruptive, especially now that, you know, the trade of filmmaking is really on the rise. There's, right. there's more producers now, more directors now, more writers now than ever before. And I think that's, I think we're just seeing the very tip of the iceberg. There. And every, every kid in elementary school, what do they want to be for when they grow up? A YouTuber. YouTuber. So, yeah. I mean, it's just like combination is pretty interesting. Well, exciting sure. times. Now, now, before we wrap up the most important, you know, Actually, I don't want, know if I want to uh, ask a question or if I'm just going to request a statement. Um, Daryl has given me a lot of crap for, for liking D and D, Dungeons and Dragons, and I, I, I let him know he, that you, you guys are my D and D posse. Hey, no, hold on, Sam hold on. is Maybe. the best dungeon master of all time. <laughs> yes, where I don't let, play with anyone let me, else. Let, let's just clarify so, this so, once. So why do you think we're nerdy? No, no, no. Let me let me clarify this once. This is very important. It's on record here. Okay. Okay. He goes, hey, Daryl. I'm like, yeah. He goes, do you ever play D&D? &D? I go, I've never played in my life. 
Why do you hate D and D? That's how it's been. Uh, now, you're you're now, being emotional, Daryl. Daryl, you're being you're no, emotional right no, now. No, here's, here's the, <laughs> Calm down. I'm gonna be historically accurate. I go, hey Ricky, how many times have you played D and D? Played once with Corridor. No, that's not true. That's not true. You guys know it's not true. We played a handful twice. of times. Twice. Twice. <laughs> They're good games, though. They're great games. Well, out of the out of the I, podcast. I, the, what the games were so fun. And so in, oh, well, I, can't, I literally can't even say what happened in those games. Demonetized. Multiple people's careers would be at risk. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't record those games, right? I do not record those games. Well, how, how long were those games? Probably, Probably like, like four, four hours. hours, I'd say. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, we, like, like we, we did it like on a Friday night and like, he just went a little crazy. Yeah. They didn't realize how hard. artistic I was <laughs> my storyteller. Yeah. 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 yeah that's basically what it she is. She's like though. holding back right now. I was like, ah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, there's some dice there, and There's a reason why we don't invite you anymore, Ricky. <laughs> yeah. They only uh, want the brown deal. Okay. <laughs> so, what's, so what's the statement on it? What do you. Oh, no, I was playing as the... As I think if I acknowledge the D&D is cool in that... He, he got into it before you guys could, it. you know, make a statement. D&D is, is <laughs> not just for it. nerds. Or it's okay to be a nerd. Either way, it's a, <laughs> Turns out, nerds just for nerds. the world right now. Yep. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, geek culture is pop culture now. That's right. And, and you know, you guys are, you know, some of, like, the early pioneers around that. Mm-hmm. You know, making, you know, nerdy things cool. <laughs> Even that's changing too, man. Even that's changing too. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. I know yeah, that your you. time is money, and we really appreciate it. And thank everyone that's watching this podcast right now. Make sure you hit subscribe, follow, whatever platform that you're on, and we'll see you on the next podcast.